tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 72. Well, you guys, I just love talking to young women with a passion for Jesus and a heart to see God's people become everything He wants them to be. Juliana Bevere, she's asked me to call her Julie, but I just love that name, Juliana. She and I talk about so many things, you guys. I mean, we go from uh, our calling to ministry to motherhood to allowing God just to change us from the inside out. It's actually one of our longest episodes here on The Living Room, but I'm telling you what, it is rich and it is deep, and I know you're going to enjoy it. So here we go. Well, it's always interesting when a book comes across your desk and the author's name is Sons and Daughters, and you're like, Sons and Daughters. And then you realize, oh my goodness, it's a ministry that's been founded by John and Lisa Bevere's kids, uh, four sons and their wives, and and it's grown into a, a global initiative. And I'm so honored to have Julie with us today. Julie, you're married to Addison, the oldest? Yes, ma'am. Oh, it's so great to have you with us. You know, I had mentioned to you that I had the, op- the opportunity to interview Rachel Ruth. How, boy, it's a mouthful. It's Rachel Ruth. Lots right. She's the daughter <laughs> of Anne Graham Lots and also the granddaughter of Billy Graham. And we were just talking about the heritage that she had and uh, being born into that heritage. But you actually married into a heritage and into a ministry family. Can you tell us a little bit about your story? Absolutely, I can. Um, I feel like as a disclaimer, there's a lot of parts of our story that are not being presented as a how-to. It's more of a just the way it was. And, um, you know, God is incredible the way he weaves things that we could never even imagine for ourselves. So I was, um, I grew up in a Bible-believing family. My mom was very strong, had a very real relationship with God. My dad was Irish Catholic. And so there was always a lot of tension between the two of those. And I don't know exactly why, but it led me to a place of seeing God as distant mm. and just kind of, um, I always believed God was real. I 100% believed I was going to heaven. Like I went up, I raised my hand when I was seven and my mentality was like, here's my golden ticket. I'll, I'll be in heaven one day, but between here and there, whatever happens mm. just happens. And so that led me to a place when I was a teenager of just making a lot of bad decisions. Um, I had father issues. So that led down the very obvious roads. And about, I was going into my senior year of high school and I found myself very, very hopeless. And, you know, at the time it was not fun, but I'm so thankful for it because that drove me to look for something else, to look for something different and outside of the vantage that I currently had, which was just a small town, parties, boys, and we were all going to move from the small town to a slightly larger town that was a college town the next year. And that, that all felt very like, what is this life? What is it going to amount to? In the midst of that, I took a trip to Colorado. I was living in Texas and I was introduced to Addison. Um, I say introduced, but actually I was introduced to his younger brother because we're the same age, but I saw Addison. And then I, I reached out to him on MySpace, um, which was very different than the social media now. It was, it, it, you just didn't, no one had it in the palm of their hand. So it was, it wasn't as constant, but we got to know each other a bit on there. Um, he got to know a lot more of me than I realized he was knowing. Um, like the pictures my friends would post from parties or boys who I was dating making comments. And he's like, so he knew, like he knew what kind of a life I was living, but was really intrigued by me. And so we, we messaged back and forth for a year. I came back out the following year and we went on a date. I had just graduated high school and we went on a date. And pretty much from that point forward, everything in my life has been completely different mm. within the span of five days. I fell in love. 
I knew this man was my husband. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and <laughs> rededicated my life to God. And so that was my introduction into Christianity, but also into um, ministry. I didn't even really know, Joanna, that this ministry world existed. I knew there was pastors and pastors' wives. And funny enough, my mom had some of your books on her shelves, but <laughs> I, I didn't realize there was this realm of like, I mean, I, I for lack of a better way of phrasing it, like Christian celebrity. Mm-hmm. And I certainly wouldn't have qualified myself um, to join this family. But thankfully, God does not ask us to qualify ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that was how I came in. I was 19 when we got married and um, we got pregnant two months after we got married. Wow. So it was a thrust for sure. I bet. I bet I was married at 19 too. And, you know, looking back, I'm like, what were my parents thinking? (laughs) I know. And yet at the same story, I mean, I knew that John was the one God had for me. And, you know, I I feel bad. He kind of had to raise me a little bit. Yes. The rough stuff. (laughs) Yes. And I'm a fifth born, and Addison is a first born. Oh, wow. that dynamic was already present and then throw an infant into the mix. I'm like, Addison, there's some special rewards for you in heaven for raising both your wife and your child yes. <laughs> simultaneously. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, you know, this whole idea of, um, you know, sons and daughters and, mm. and that God chooses us. We might not have chosen ourselves but he mm-hmm. puts his hand on us and you guys have started this ministry. It's been, um, it's been online and, and really growing, but now you guys have your first book and it's called, I am find your identity, claim your freedom, embrace the adventure. Can you kind of just tell us a little bit how the ministry started and, and what God has been doing in it and through it? Yes. Um, it's been really incredible and such a, a picture for me to see the way God can take something so seemingly small and even insignificant and use it for his purposes. We began just doing these video blogs. It was about four years ago, um, 2017, and it was myself and three or two of my brother-in-laws and my husband. So four of us of years. And we had um, a, a, some staff members as well who were huge, huge a part of it. And we would just meet in our living room and talk about what God was doing in our own lives and how we wanted to share that. So it began as this this opportunity to share with our peers what God was doing for us and through us. And the the premise of it was that we know we have been given so much that we have not earned like you were talking about, when you walk into a legacy, whether you're born into it or married into it. And and even bigger than that, this is just a, a microcosm of the legacy of God that we are grafted into and we're given such gifts so freely. And so for us at that time, we saw it as the people we were exposed to and just the biblical foundation that we were raised up in. And, and I even consider myself in that, even though I'm not a natural born child, um, thankfully, because then I couldn't have married <laughs> one of the boys, uh, being 19 and now I'm 32. So having those formative years and and being such a new Christian, that this is what I was placed in um, and raised up in, it lends a certain weight to my life. And at times I have viewed that weight as a burden Mm. and I think in a, in a more mature state, I'm able to see that weight as something that is a gift because it will drive me to share. Mm-hmm. So we were sharing in this video blog format, and then it moved to doing some social media stuff and really taking it there. And then we just said, you know what, we want to gather. We want to do an in-person gathering so that we just felt like that was important. And that was a next step beyond the internet. And so we gathered, we had um, 250 at an event we called Rise. And 
the whole foundation for Rise was this covenant that we developed as a team. We just said, you know, you hear your sons and daughters, your sons and daughters, the world is groaning for sons and daughters. And yet to really know, like, what does that mean? And we split up and did some time. I think it was over a holiday season of just searching out in our Bibles. And when we came back together and put all of it together, we came up with the Rise Covenant, which is based upon these seven I Am statements that also make up the I Am book. And so it was from that Rise Covenant developed for this time of gathering people and just, just hoping that they would see through it that there is so much available to us and not in this floaty, up in the clouds, ethereal way, but in a day-to-day, who are you type of way. And so that's where we introduced it. And from there, we started groups. We now have 271 ambassadors in 58 countries. And our, our push now is just for them to be gathering, that we want to supply them with whatever we have to give so that they will then have the confidence to gather and share that because so much of this has to be contextualized in community. And I, I don't know how much of that community can be done virtually. Um, And I don't feel like I have to know, but I do know for me at least that an in-person face-to-face is so necessary for the growth and also just for understanding these things as real. Mm, that's so good. I love that you're focusing on identity because boy, we're living in a time where identity is so confused and mm. we're we're letting our sexuality be our identity or our platform be our identity or yeah. how you know our family be our identity and rather than really understanding that we have this incredible identity in Christ. We say that mm. we say, uh, I have, yes, I am a, a son or a daughter. I'm a, I'm a princess. I'm a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> as you guys have been working on this project and, and just really trying to um, build a foundational truth that, that we can build our lives on that's already in the word of God. Some of the I am statements is I am holy. I am righteous. I am loved. I am secure. I am confident. I am creative. I am called. And you just kind of unpack this uh, throughout the book. And it, and as I understand it, it's, it has some elements of other people that have contributed. So it really is sons and daughters. It's not just the Vivers. As you're journeying that, what are you seeing in those I am statements? If you were to choose one today, and I'm sure maybe it would change next week, but what do you think is one of the most important I am's that none of us, I mean, it doesn't matter our age, that a lot of us as Christians really need to get nailed down? Yeah, I. it's like you said, it could be anyone at any given time because they're so interwoven. but. I do believe that I am called is so crucial for this moment here and now that people are seeing their day-to-day seemingly mundane coming and going, eating and drinking as holy and as important and as purposeful because it, it just lends a new breath to their life. And that is what we need in our current world, this world that we were designated for. You know, none of this is a surprise to God what's happening Mm. in our midst. We're designated for it. And so believing that and then moving through life in a a place of purpose and a place of calling. And I feel like we have done a disservice sometimes in the church where we make called so small Mm. and we we try to fit it into this, this pretty little package that we can tie a ribbon around. And then it's like, God hands us the package and we unwrap it. And then our life is perfect from that (laughs) point forward. And we're looking for that. We're we're seeking that and crying out for that. And if we're crying out to God, like he's going to meet us there. So that's a beautiful thing. But it's almost like we look to mentors to tell us what we're called for. Mm. We look to at this everything, our Bible, tell me what I'm called for. Like, let me pick, play Bible roulette and just point to a page. I'm like, that's it. That's my calling. And we're trying to make a formula out of something that is a relationship. 
Like our calling changes. Our calling is so specific sometimes even to seasons. And the the way that we approach that, the intentionality we put to that, like right now, I am called to four small children between the ages of five and 11. <laughs> I don't love that calling every single day. <laughs> it is a lot. It requires more of me than I possess at yes. any given moment. And yet I'm so thankful that there's an awareness of the importance mm. and 100% the importance in raising children, but also the importance in me. Like mm. God knows what he's doing through me. And kind of a funny trail. I remember we had two, I think I was like 24. We had a little boy and a little girl. And I was like, I'm done, God. Like, look at how cute this family is. (laughs) I can check it all. I can check the having kids box off my list of like good Christian things. And um, I'm done. We have one boy, one girl. I'm 24. Like, I, I can still have a life after children. And so clearly, I remember Holy Spirit impressing upon me. I really, like, you will leave motherhood patient. And you are not patient yet. (laughs) And I knew at that moment, I was like, hey, we're going to have to have a third child. (laughs) And it just goes to show, like, I know myself so very little. Mm. And... If I was the one designing my life, it would not be unto the glory of God. I am not capable of designing a life unto the glory of God. And yet I know that God is continuing to move in and through me in the midst of the day-to-day, moment-by-moment appreciation for what is currently in my hands, because that is something else that the the far-out over here somewhere calling or walking in my calling, it creates in us this discontentment for the now, when the now is what determines the then. And it's not because God is cruel or he wants you to prove yourself. It's for your good. He wants to develop things in you now that you will need then. Like he is gracious. He is not looking for you to sustain your own life. And we have examples of people all around us who are sustaining their own lives and they are burnt out. They are anxious. They are on the edge. And that is not the life that sons and daughters are meant to live. Mm, That is so good. You know, I, I do. I, I see that same thing when I almost identify what glory, this is how it will glorify the Lord. So this is how my Mm -hmm. life has to look. You know, I, I remember having two kids and a boy and a girl and thinking how perfect it was. Um, (laughs) And then especially after 10 years thinking, yeah, this is great. This is really great. And then uh, what was it? Five days after our 21st anniversary I gave birth to a baby boy. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and pregnant at 40, having a child at 40 was never anything I thought I would do. And you know, well, when you were married at 19. Yes, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, it was not. I mean, honestly, I remember thinking, okay, I, I on no high school essay did I ever write. And I want to actively parent for 35 years. <laughs> it just was not what I thought God's will for my life. Because honestly, I had really some big dreams of what I was going to do for Jesus. And, you know, I think that's sometimes the challenge that we have when we embrace that I am called, we automatically kind of provide the whole roadmap of I'm called and this is what it will look like. And I so love that you just bring it down to no, God's will is not out there. God's will is right here, right this moment. And if we can learn how to, I, I think I'm just learning that if I can obey him here and then here and then here, I'm not going to have to find God's will. I will be God's will, right? Because mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. I'm obedient today and tomorrow and the next day, um, and available. And I love that. I, I love, like you said, it changes in seasons and, um, God's so good. You know, I just think I was so sure he had made a big, big mistake. 
And now, you know, Josh turns 19, Juliana. Oh, wow. When you start in ministry at 19, you just think Jesus is coming back. And and now we have just celebrated our 40th year of marriage. Oh, my goodness. Congratulations. It's so good too. It gets better and sweeter and sweeter. Um, I, 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 you know, 32 of them were very, very happy. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a bad percentage. (laughs) No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you three out of four, three fourths of it has been glorious, but it has been letting God change us and meet us and shape us in Mm. the middle. And I, I think when you guys talk about finding your identity and claiming your freedom and embracing the adventure. It, it, sometimes we can say the adventure is out there, but the adventure I think is right here. Mm -hmm. So what is God, you know, as you're looking at that and, and wanting people to discover everything God has for them, how do we get from that place where we think it's just ordinary to making ourselves available for whatever God wants in right where we are? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and I think it does start, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the book right now and the subtitles and it feels like they're almost um, written in a way that one comes after the other. Yeah. Where you first are finding your identity and finding your identity only in the Lord and the word of God. Because the world wants to tell you what your identity is, because once they can um, conform you, they can control you. Mm. They can control you to be whatever they want you to be and buy whatever they want you to buy. And so having the awareness, sometimes, at least in my own life, as I have really allowed God to show me my identity, it has been an unmaking. It's been an unraveling of the things that I decided I was. And some of them are from my childhood, growing up in a very large family with just a lot of different situations where I started to wear those masks. And then coming into the Bavir family so young and just believing I needed to wear whatever, like good Christian wife, good Christian mom, good Christian girl, those masks. And it was always for people. I wasn't doing that for God. And so it started to build roots of bitterness within me. Like, well, what about who I really am? And you hear that so much now, like you need to be your true self and be the real you. It's like, you cannot determine the real you. If you're determining the real you, you are using all of your biases. And, you know, even being aware of the culture, the Western individualized culture Mm -hmm. that we have been born into. And that comes with so many incredible benefits and opportunities, but it also brings with it a level of self-centered, consumer-driven values that have no place in the kingdom. So it's it's being um, surrendered to an undoing and an unmaking as much as a building up and a fortifying, because that is my hope is that the people who engage with this message, that their true identity as a son and a daughter will be fortified as they come in contact with these things, as they read each of these chapters, each of these I am statements, that Holy Spirit will be ever present, that they will set aside the distractions to engage with this message in a way that is so specific to them and to the place on this earth that they currently occupy and that no one else can occupy except Mm. for them. Mm. And so knowing that to see the world as it truly is, your lens needs to be replaced. And that to me is part of the replacing of the lens is the formation of your identity. And like he wove us in our mother's womb. There is so much it's like, he doesn't just want to burn you to the ground and build up a robot. He has things placed inside of you so specific and intricately and detailed. Like the design is so detailed that he's not undoing you so that you'll look like and talk like every other Christian. 
Like it is so specific to the most beautiful and vibrant version of you. Mm. And so I think it's just that surrender, like a surrender of all of the things that you have felt you need to be to excel in this world. Yeah. Wow. That is so beautiful, Juliana. So what was that journey? Could you give us a peek at that journey for you? peeling back the layers and the shoulds and the the things that were put on you and the things that you put on yourself of discovering who God really meant you to be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was coming to a breaking point. So we had our first and 17 months later, we had our second um, because we went to the very close, which we got. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found myself in a place where I, I had all the things, this incredible loving husband. Um, we were well taken care of two beautiful, healthy children. And I was so discontent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started spending a lot of my time watching shows. Like I would just have Netflix on or cooking or home shows, whatever it was constantly to the point where I started deleting my that like history on my browser so that my husband wouldn't see it like it mm-hmm. it, it got to that place of um just shame in my life mm-hmm. and I was just miserable I didn't I was looking at my friends who were in their early to mid-20s thinking like they're discovering themselves they're really able to find out who they are and be that person where I have to be these things mm. and I have no other choice. And so I, I, I came to a place of recognizing just the foolishness, really, like God has been so gracious in the way that he has used primarily my husband to really show me like your life is so beautiful and you have so much like your hands are full and you are treating it like it is um nothing in comparison to I don't even know like people traveling or just that comparison factor of like here I am head down in the trenches with these children what could my life be so it started Joanna just with an appreciation Mm. for what I did have and in that, an application where I would apply myself to doing the things I knew to do, like, you know, being consistent with my quiet time and with physical exercise and drinking enough water and taking care of me, realizing like to be constantly wanting media on in the background or in the midst of life was not taking care of me. It was just this weird um like pseudo form of self-care. And I, and I, I know a lot of people currently do that as well. Like the whole Netflix binge and even the way Netflix is set up now where it just starts yep. another yep. episode immediately. I'm like, what is this world? Yeah. And that is not, that's not community. And those aren't people like you're not hanging out with them. This is entertainment. This is distraction. So I was using distraction in the same way people could use drugs or alcohol or food, Mm -hmm. um, whatever it is. And coming to a place where I, I couldn't do that anymore. Like my kids were growing up so quickly and I was missing it. And even now my memories from that time are pretty foggy just because I was constantly in that state of like looking for a way out, looking for a distraction mechanism. So, and some of that with having small kids is real. And my heart always goes out to women who are in that position because it's, it's a tough season. It's a quick season, but it is a hard season when you're home with. Yeah. It's the longest I always like to say it goes fast, but it's the longest five years of your life. (laughs) Yes, it really is. And it's so much of the same day in and day out. And finding an appreciation for that and then allowing myself to engage with God as 
someone who was in this with me, who wanted desperately to be in this with me, to be my companion. And then God started to whisper things to me about who I was and the things he wanted me to take part in, which I felt like, no, my kids aren't grown. Um, Like you've just given me new vision to appreciate motherhood. (laughs) Why are you already moving on? Like, and I have, I want you to do these other things to me. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're, I, I get that you're God, but you're confused. Um, (laughs) And just that place of surrender. And here again, I find myself where I thought I have my youngest is five. So I'm thinking like all four kids are in school. My life is about to open up in this brand new way. And I feel like I'm close to homeschool, which is (laughs) baffling. (laughs) And yet I trust God. I do. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly it. And and that's the sweetest thing. I think when we really get to that place of full surrender, just, mm. you know, if we would embrace that as a gift and go, wow, so I don't have to figure this out. You're going to lead me. And when he does call us to something, knowing that, um, that it's him and it's not us. It wasn't mm-hmm. Julie that woke up thinking, I'm going to homeschool my children. God <laughs> said, I want this. Yeah. You know, I, you bring up something important because I do think we kind of get a little bit of uh, either or thinking like it has to mm-hmm. I either have to be a stay at home mom and this is all I do or I have total freedom and I can uh, do things for Jesus. And so bringing that it's so odd when God calls us to both. How have you navigated the both? <laughs> uh, not very well at times and better at other times. Um, I think it's just the sensitivity, like God knows if he is going to invite me to take part in something he has to provide for my yeah. kids. Yeah. And a lot of times that provision looks like their dad, which is also great. Like for a dad to spend time with his kids without their mom, there's that unique bonding opportunity. And so it's, it's believing it's believing and it's not believing. So it's believing that there are other people who can care for your children as well, if not better than you. And it's not believing the lie that you don't belong anywhere else except home with your children. Mm. That mom guilt is so real. And time and time again, you just have to speak to it. You have Mm -hmm. to speak it out loud and speak against it. You don't harbor it where it can then turn into shame because shame is only here to kill, steal, and destroy just as the enemy. Mm -hmm. And so speaking out, like I feel, and again, like I find my husband to be such a trusted person. And then also friends who I know are navigating the same thing, just saying, listen, I feel so guilty. Like I am leaving my children for a weekend and I am buried under guilt and allowing them to then speak truth to it. Like it is one weekend, Julie, and they are with their dad. Like they're fine and he is fine. Yeah. And you do not need to allow this to, to have any kind of power. So I think it's also just a sensitivity. Like there will be times and I have fallen prey to doing things because I was invited to do them. and then going and knowing like, oh, this was me. This mm-hmm. was done in my own strength or my own desire for a break or some time off. And it wasn't, it wasn't God. It was me. And I'm thankful. I feel like God has allowed me to feel that so that there's the differentiation mm-hmm. between when he is a part mm-hmm. of it and he is orchestrating it. And I am the one orchestrating it, thinking like I'm giving it more than it's supposed to be given. I love when people say like balance is an illusion and it's true. It is an illusion. You are going to give different things more attention as they need it. Just like if you have more than one children, you know, child, more than one child at any given time, they will require different levels of attention and energy and intentionality. And that is okay. Like you you give what needs the most attention. So sometimes for me, most of the time for me, that looks like my kids, that looks like home life, 
But then there's these other opportunities and they end up fueling one another where I am better being able to have ministry opportunities Mm -hmm. because of the value that being at home has. Like the way that I will consider those opportunities now where I'm like, this is a cost. This will cost me to go and to, you know, if it's, if it's speaking at a lady's thing, to prepare a message, to deliver that message, all of this is very costly. And that was the place I got with God where I'm like, if this is meant to be, shouldn't it be easy? <laughs> like, if your hand is in this and guiding, shouldn't it be effortless? Um, it, it must not be you because it's not effortless. And knowing, and, and actually it was an older minister who I really respect. And I was presenting it to her like a problem to be fixed. Like after I speak, I feel very raw and open. Like someone could just walk up and stab me in the chest with a, a pencil. Like mm-hmm. I am so vulnerable. How can I keep that from happening? How can I fix that? And she said, if you fix that, you become a performer. Mm. Like this is supposed to be weighty. This is supposed to be something that is costly. Mm. And so I, for me, having the kids, having my husband, having this whole other life that I know I'm called to has placed the appropriate weight on any other opportunities. And I'm so thankful for that. Like that is something I hope to hold with me, even when not as much attention is needed for my kids or Mm. for my husband. Well, always for my husband. (laughs) Oh, that is so good, Julie. Cause I I think we have, it's part of our perfectionism, isn't it? That we should be Mm. able to do everything perfectly at all times. And, and I think I, I appreciate that you just talked about sometimes we have to do things to learn what we shouldn't be doing, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause I always, I remember hearing that the verse, you know, my sheep hear my voice and I'm like, well, I don't think I hear his voice very good, <laughs> but it's come through the trial and error. You know, it's mm-hmm. come, it's come through hindsight is 2020. And it's, it's for, I think one of the things now, 40 years into ministry, 40 years into marriage, 40 years into mothering, almost not quite that many, um, that it's a slow becoming, it's a process Mm. and it's not an event. And I always thought it should have been an event. And if I didn't have it, and if I didn't do it perfect at all times, then God was terribly disappointed in me. And Mm -hmm. I think to realize that he's like, no, this is, this is how I train you to hear my voice. And I do put those checks and balances and you learn, you learn what you can do and you learn what you shouldn't do through trial and error. And it's grace, you know, it's just the grace of the Lord. It is. I was going to say, there's nothing that teaches as well as pain. No. Like pain, the lessons learned through pain stick with you in a way that very little else can. And (laughs) we can hate that as much as we want, but yeah, it's just the way we're, we're wired. And we can get stuck there too, right? Mm-hmm. To where it's bad me, terrible me. I'll never figure this out. Rather than just running to the Lord and saying, Father, would you forgive me? Would you help yeah. me? Would you help me? Would you put your grace there? Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I just have learned that God's not this cruel taskmaster. He's not up there just waiting for me to mess up, but he is this really good shepherd that if I'll just do my best, to follow him. He's going to lead me in the path I should go. And when I stray, he'll just lovingly come and get me because that's just how yeah. he is. And so I don't have to be, I think I was so afraid of messing up and, um, mm. and that's, you know, I think for all of you young mamas out there, you know what, you could be the best mama in the world and you would still need the power of the Holy spirit to cover and protect your children and to lead them in the way they should go. And so, yes, we have a responsibility, but I'm so glad it's not all up to us. Aren't you? No, absolutely. (laughs) And like your children are going to have cracks. It it does not matter what family you're born into or how astounding your mom and dad are, you will have cracks. And I think of that uh, Japanese art where they, they take, they take, um, 
cracked pottery and they fill all the cracks with gold. Yes. And I just love that picture of like, God, I know you are going to do that with each Mm. of my children because (laughs) young minds are so funny. Like they can make trauma out of a no at the Build-A-Bear store. Yes. Yes. And then as an adult have to work through it and it's like, (laughs) God bless you. I believe the Lord is going to meet you there and work with you through that. But I can't avoid all of those moments. There you go. And I just find a lot of freedom in that where it's like, you know what? We're going to mess up. Even doing the right thing can be messing up. And exactly. yet I have to believe that they are God's children. Ultimately, they're not mine. They're not Addison's. They belong to God. Well, you talk about mom guilt. And I do wonder if at the root of mom guilt is really mom fear that mm-hmm. we really, we've got to let go of this fear that we're going to mess it up. And, you know, that's, it's like, we're pretending that we're going to be the Messiah in our kids' lives. And, you know, I, the, one of the things the Lord really showed me is, um, cause we want to protect our kids. We want to keep them from hurt. We don't want them to be traumatized. And yet, yeah. even though I really was, I was raised in the most wonderful home. I had those cracks that only Jesus could fill. And what's amazing to me is it's those cracks that he's used more than the places I've had it together. So we can trust the Holy Spirit to work in our kids Mm -hmm. just as he's worked in us. One of the things I I just was wondering as you were learning your own identity, um, I'm a pastor's wife, a call to ministry, love being a pastor's wife, also have a very big personality. And I, I do a lot of stuff. And one of the things that I really wanted to be careful when my son married his beautiful wife was not to put those expectations on her because they were Mm. also in ministry. And so here you are um, being grafted into this big ministry family and uh, Lisa having just almost a prophetic gift and a big personality and trying to find out who you were, how did, how did the Lord just give you space to discover that? And what did you find out? Mm. I love that you bring up Lisa because she has also been so instrumental in my own growth and understanding of myself, but also of women and their place. And um, from the very beginning, she said to me, I don't care if you never write a book, if you never speak in a church, if you love my son well, that will be enough for me. And she was always so encouraging and supportive of whoever I was meant to be. And what's a parallel between um, Addison and I's story and his mom and dad's story, um, she got saved on their first date. And yeah, I mean, it, when I was young, it almost bothered me like, God, can we not have our own story? Why does it have to look so much like theirs? And then again, as I came into a state of maturity, I was able to see it for the gift it was because they welcomed me with such open arms because they trusted their son. They knew the man that they had raised. And if he was choosing to marry this 19 year old ex heathen, then they trusted that. and were so welcoming of who I was then, but also, like you said, there's a very strong prophetic anointing on Lisa, and so speaking to who I will be, especially in moments of doubt, where it's like, like she was with me the first time I ever spoke at a ladies' event, Um, and it was precious because it was a really intimate gathering and a little bit odd, like we sat on yoga mats and... um, (laughs) It was just interesting. And we were both in the room getting ready to speak because she went right after me and I was losing it. Like just so nervous, kind of doing weird, like trying to, I don't even know. Like I couldn't, my, I was trying to get it out physically and she just took me by the shoulders and she's like, Julie, like this is not about you. Mm. Like God has prepared you for this. And you are equipped with what you need to deliver this. Mm. Like it is in you. And so there's always been this huge, huge encouragement 
to just be me. And if at one moment that looks like Julie on a podcast promoting a book, and if at the next moment it looks like Julie cleaning up throw up out of the back of my car, like you have got this. Mm. One is not better than the other. Yeah. These are not some kind of um, value markers for you as a person. Yeah. And we have to get beyond that. Like we are constantly looking for the world to develop, to establish us as valuable. Like you are valuable because you got this many likes on your last Instagram post, or you have this many followers or this connection, that connection you're going here. It's like, we have to first and foremost and daily. And this is the part that I do think a lot of people don't like to hear, but it is daily. Like we were promised daily bread, not I'm going to throw you a chunk of bread and it's going to sustain you for five years and you go do your thing for my glory. It's like, yeah. no, we are meant to come for daily bread to receive what we need for that day because it is all about this relationship that's available to us, drawing near to God and he will draw near to you and he wants to draw near to you. So I've gone up and down where I there would be one week where it's like, I feel awesome. And then I'm kind of mad at God when I hit a low. I'm like, wait, why can't I feel like that always? And why can't you sustain that? It's like, one, it's not about you feeling awesome. And two, you cannot just come to me to as, as like a sugar daddy. Mm-hmm. Like you come to me when your allowances run out and I give you more He wants us constantly. He wants us face-to-face, so much aware of him in any given moment. And that is where he's moving. That is where he is so for us. Like, this is the good father. This is the good shepherd. And we have to start believing that. Amen. Amen. I really do think it comes back to the simplicity of John 15, my only responsibility is to stay connected to the vine. Mm. <laughs> that's, that's all. I just have mm-hmm. to stay connected to him. And the fruit comes from that, the, the productivity, the, the um, love that I need for my children, the patience that I need for different situations. It, it all comes out of that relationship. And so it isn't the sugar daddy. It's life. <laughs> it's the life that we need. Oh, oh, this has been so rich, Juliana. You've got so much wisdom. And I just thank you for letting God have access to your life. It's really mm-hmm. a beautiful thing, my friend. It's it, you. you've let you've let him take you deep. And and now he's taking you wide. And so mm-hmm. as you just keep in that deep place, <laughs> he'll take care of all the rest. Would you pray for the ladies that are listening out there? Mm, absolutely. Oh, Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you. I thank you for the lives of the women who are under the sound of my voice, that they are important, that they are meaningful, that they are full of purpose and intentionality. And Heavenly Father, I pray against the distractions of the enemy whether that looks like entertainment or comparison. Heavenly Father, I pray against those distractions that you would come in and you would cut so swiftly and give Mm -hmm. them eyes to see where the distractions lie that are sucking their energy, that are sucking their time, their attention, that are acting as some kind of a a hiding place, Mm -hmm. that you would alert them to the awareness that in you is our hiding place. In you is where we find our um, understanding and our rejuvenation, God, that that would become second nature to turn to you for our rejuvenation. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move on them now, that they would feel your presence and feel your delight in who they are and what they are putting their hands to and that it would breathe new life into them. It would breathe new life into their families, into their relationship with their kids, into their relationships with their husbands, into their relationships with themselves and ultimately into the relationships with you, God. 
that there would be a longing for a real relationship with you and that they would give the time daily, multiple times a day, God. You know what each individual needs to sustain that relationship Mm -hmm. with you, that you are there and waiting with open arms and open hands to just hold your daughters. This picture of you as a good father, as a good shepherd, even leaving the 99 for the one and then holding them, nurturing them, Mm -hmm. that they would find such Mm -hmm. a, a warmth in your presence, a tangible warmth, God, that would keep them coming back day after day after day. We thank you, God, for your love, for your guidance, that you are our father and that you have chosen us as your sons and daughters. Mm. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, amen. Amen. I don't know who is out there listening right now, but you need to know that God sees you and he loves you and he wants you. You have not been forgotten. You are not one of many. You are beloved by your father. And Lord, we would just ask that hearts would open up to that revolutionary truth. That Lord, before we ever loved you, you loved us. Yes. We would live from that reality and find our identity in that place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but Julie's prayer at the end is still resonating in my heart. In fact, I think some of you need to go back and listen to it again, because I really believe that it's the Father's heart for some of you out there, if not all of us. Because you guys, he has so much waiting for us. He has an identity that we don't have to find ourselves as we find him. He's the one who's going to define us. Uh, You can find links to Julie and her ministry, Sons and Daughters, as well as the new book that we talked about over at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 072. And if you know a young woman or any woman who needs some encouragement and could really benefit from this message, most podcast players has a place where you can click three buttons or something uh, and share this on text or social media or even email. I really pray that you are encouraged today, that no matter who you are and what you're doing or what you're not doing, that you are valuable to God. You're his dearly loved daughter and his precious, beautiful bride. I pray that you'll step into that acceptance, into that new identity today as belonging to him, because that's how we live and love and lead like Jesus. See you next time.